This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 7th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, as I opened last week's report, of my classic interview with the iconic Michael E. Gerber. I was counting down the days until my return trip to Buffalo, New York for this year's National Buffalo Wing Festival. If you'd have told me then that I would miss this event completely and instead be dealing with the pain associated with water on my knee as opposed to, say, the pain from eating too many wings or chugging too many beers, I'd have told you you're crazy. But the fact is, it's true. So, to suggest that I'm bummed would make you the master of understatement, but it's a harsh reality nonetheless. So while I didn't make it to Buffalo, something else that I've been looking forward to is today's conversation with Paul Macaluso. And the good news, that conversation is still right on track. You know, I only got to know Paul a little bit while he was here in Atlanta during his Focus Brands years and our mutual involvement with the Southeast Franchise Forum. But he's had a great and storied career, and he's here to share those milestones with all of you in two minutes or less. So don't go away. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with more than 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with more than 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you Instead of watching the clock and their wait times, chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. Paul Macaluso joined Another Broken Egg Cafe as its president and chief executive officer in 2019. Paul 
with experience in a variety of executive and senior positions and a 25-plus year reputation for driving results at respected brands throughout the restaurant industry, began his career as a restaurant general manager with Taco Bell and advanced to hold many operations and marketing roles with them for the next 10 years. He then went on to take a turn at brand strategy, menu development, and product marketing positions for both the Burger King Corporation and Sonic Drive-Ins before joining Focus Brands, filling a variety of senior marketing and brand strategy positions, all of which leveraged his talents to grow sales and guest relevance for the Focus portfolio. That included McAllister's Deli, Moe's Southwest Grill, Schlotzky's, Carvel, Auntie Anne's, and Cinnabon. In 2016, Paul was promoted within Focus Brands to become president of McAllister's Deli, where he led the brand to record-setting EBITDA and new restaurant openings. Prior to joining Another Broken Egg, Paul served as president and chief executive officer of The Crystal Company, leading a brand revitalization effort, including rebuilding aged restaurants, achieving positive same-store sales, improving unit-level profitability, and restarting the franchise sales pipeline. With a BS and MBA from Florida State, we're proud to welcome this father of four to our main stage. Paul Macaluso, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for the invitation. I think it's a long time overdue, especially since it's a brand that I favor. So I get to talk to a lot of people all the time and learn a lot about brands that I'm not familiar with. But when a place makes a Bloody Mary as good as yours, (laughs) I tend to know where to find them. So happy that you're in Roswell, Georgia. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, we're glad to be here and uh, glad to talk a little bit about uh, the brand as well at some point today. So uh, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure, Paul. And you know the drill. Nobody, unless their name is Dwyer or Titus or some other family dynasty, none of us got into franchising by design. It tends to find us. It was quite some time ago for you, but I'm going to ask you to take us back to the beginning and tell us when that was and how it happened. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, actually 30 years ago this month that I got into the restaurant business and the franchising business. Um, I was... uh, and I actually graduated with my bachelor's degree in 1991, and I was it was a little bit of a recession, kind of reminds us a little bit of what we're dealing with today. I decided to stay in school and, and go straight through and get my master's degree for another year. And I did that, and I was recruited you know, out of the grad school to go to work for PepsiCo Management Systems. Um, and at the time, as you know, Pepsi uh, owned some restaurants. And uh, the original premise of the job was to you know, work a couple of years in the restaurant division, a couple of years in their snack division, a couple of years in the bottling division. So it sounded like a great you know, opportunity for me. Um, I had not had any real experience in restaurants up to that time. And um, so I joined the company. And uh, within a couple of years, you know, they spun off, which was Tricon, which became Yum. So I've been in restaurants my entire career, quite by accident, but I've absolutely loved it. And, uh, you know, kind of once it gets in your blood, if you really enjoy it, you just can't get enough of it. So, so in um, those early Taco Bell days, what was your role? What were you recruited to do? Yeah. So my first job actually was with a small brand that Taco Bell owned called Hot Now. It was a double drive through hamburger chain. I don't know if you're from... I don't remember them. Yeah, they were out of uh, Michigan and Taco Bell had bought it and they wanted to expand it. And it was kind of like checkers or rallies kind of kind of concept. Um, mm-hmm. And so my first job was a new store opener. So I would they trained me on the brand and they moved me from little town to little town in the southeast to open up new stores for the company. 
and hot now. I did that for about 18 months. Got to open about nine new stores. So it was awesome. I got a lot of experience in construction, kind of turnover, training, turn the stores over to the, the managers and then move to the next little town and do it again. And uh, I was single and young and, you know, worked a ton of hours and didn't matter. You know, I just enjoyed learning. And, um, and then uh, once they decided to kind of spin that off, they transitioned me back to the home ship of Taco Bell and I, they moved me to Orlando and I was a multi-unit general manager. So I ran restaurants in, uh, in Orlando uh, for Taco Bell for several years. And that led to, what was the next stop, Burger King? That, if I'm yeah, that, that, that's right. I actually ended up staying at Taco Bell for 10 years. Um, so it was a great you know, foundation to my career. It was a great company that invested in people and, and really developed me. Let, me. let me do a lot of different things. I actually got to move up, up into an HR, field HR role and moved over into a, a consulting role for franchisees. That was my first kind of experience with franchisees was, was on the Taco Bell Express business when they were opening a lot, a lot of non-traditional units. And then um, the last couple of years were in marketing. So lots of different opportunities across the brand and different functions. And then I'm, I was recruited by a former boss uh, who had left Taco Bell when I was working to uh, join Burger King. And I did that in a, in a field marketing role and then a product marketing role. I was there for almost uh, for a little over four years at Burger King. You know, I always thought of you as a marketing guy, and I didn't know you had the depth of operating experience as well. So you really yeah. are the trifecta between development, marketing, and ops, right? Yeah, it's funny because that it's um, when I first moved into marketing, I got a lot of pushback from marketing people because I was known as the operations guy. Mm. You know, they didn't know, uh, what does this guy know about marketing? Um, and then, as you said, the middle part of my career was really in, in a progressive marketing roles, which we'll talk about here in a second. And then when I wanted to get into general management as a, you know, as a president, I was kind of known as the marketing guy. So it's, it's just funny, but uh, you know, it just depends on if you really actually stop and ask people what they've actually done, you know, rather than just what's the current role that they're in. Sure. Um, so, you know, I've had an opportunity that was very fortunate to have great mentors and great companies that developed me and, and believed in me and, and let me, you know, experience the whole realm of uh, restaurants and franchising. And the next milestone in the career would have been with Sonic prior to their involvement with Focus or Rourke. That's right, Rourke. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Um, uh, was recruited from Burger King to go to to Sonic and moved moved from Miami to Oklahoma City. And I uh, was in a again progressive marketing roles. I was in a, a merchandising and media role that actually was the interim CMO for for a few months. It was an awesome experience. Great brand. Really, just an amazing uh, culture of franchisees, long-standing franchisees, and uh, really enjoyed my time there. And then I was recruited, um, kind of wanted to move back home to the southeast. I was recruited to work for Focus Brands as the chief marketing officer for Moe's Southwest Grill. So uh, that was my opportunity to really, you know, really run a department and, and with a really accelerated growth brand, which was a lot of fun. What year were we in then, and how far along was Moe's at that point? So when I joined Moe's, it was um, 2011. And it was a, a little over 400 restaurants at that time. Now I think it has over 700. I was there for the 500 opening, you know, I was still in that role uh, during the 500 openings. So that was a huge milestone for the brand. It was, it was Paul D'Amico was the, was the president and, and I learned a lot from him and, and had a great team of people. And then my time at Focus Brands was awesome because I got, I was there for seven years and I got to do a lot of different things. Moved to an uh, SVP of brand strategy role. So I got to work on all uh, six of the brands at that time. I think now they have seven brands. Um, so I got to work on strategy and positioning for all the brands and then my first opportunity to run a brand when I was became president of McAllister's, which was which was kind of a dream come true for me. And what years were those? So I um, 
was there from 2011 to 2019. I became president of McAllister's in 2018. What year did Phil Friedman exit from there? Um, he was a few years before that. Um, I think he was right before the acquisition uh, by Rourke in, of, of McAllister's into Focus Brands. Um, so, a, yeah. Just amazing how quickly time moves now. Right. You know? <laughs> I think of Phil, I still think of him as McAllister's, and it's been quite a while since he had that yeah. moniker associated with him. So, yeah, yeah. I think when I, uh, when McAllister's came into the portfolio, I think Frank Pacey was the president and CEO. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with Frank a little bit and kind of supported him from that strategy role. And then uh, a couple other changes happened. And then I, then I took over the brand. So it was, it was a great opportunity for me. Great brand. We'll turn us around the final turn before we get to the current day. Yeah. Um, so I had, um, you know, I had a uh, opportunity to become CEO um, and I really enjoy, I enjoyed my time at Focus Brands. But, you know, that that structure with multiple brands, you're, you're really just, you know, running a part of the business as a president. And I really wanted to run the whole brand. So I, I had an opportunity to leave and become CEO and president of the Crystal Company. And I did that for a little over 18 months. It was a great learning experience for me. And then I was recruited from there to, to run this brand, Another Broken Egg. And it's been uh, almost three years now, two, a little over two and a half years that I've been here. It's an awesome brand. I feel like everything is kind of built up to this moment for me and uh, really having a great time. And obviously, we've had some challenges with the economy and with everything else that's happened in the last few years. But the brand is stronger than ever. And, and I'm excited to tell you a little bit about that. Well, I'm going to be real happy to hear all about that. But before we go and dive into the current day, I want to just look back over all of those years and all of the disciplines and places that you've touched restaurants and franchising. If you told me what your favorite thing to do out of all of the experiences that you've had and all the roles that you've played what job is it that you would have loved the most oh wow that's a tough tough call because um, there's so many great things about all the jobs you know i i look back at um the time i was a general manager and it was so satisfying to you know to to grow that restaurant sales to seek customers and see them satisfied and happy and grow my team and see my team getting developed and taking over bigger roles and managing the PL and seeing the results and the profit increase. So uh, that was probably, you know, when you think about it, the general managers in terms of the breadth of responsibility is one of the, it's, it's really multifaceted. So it's very challenging. I really enjoyed my time in HR. I obviously enjoyed my time in development and, and time in marketing. I had a lot of success there. If I had to pick one, I would say, I would say this this job or the role as a CEO is my favorite. It's obviously the most challenging, but it's also the, my ability to, to um, lead a team and develop a culture and, and help people grow. And I, I was very fortunate to work for Taco Bell when they invested in me. You know, to go from general manager to president of a brand is, um, you know, is, is, a, is a lot that has to happen. A lot of people that have to, you know, invest in me. And so now I get the chance to do that for somebody else. And so that that's that's my favorite. I think my favorite has, has been this this current role. And when you look at your career path and all the jobs that you've held, I think there's been a real fuzzing of the lines between ops and technology these days. And technology and marketing have really fuzzy lines. Mm-hmm. What kind of an impact has that had on your career? And how have you seen technology just working its way into and through departments like operations and marketing and how you can almost not tell one from the other anymore? I mean, I hear more yeah. titles like CMTO, I guess, Chief Marketing <laughs> Technology Officer. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's just, it's amazing how much it's changed. You know, I, I was fortunate enough at Taco Bell, they were pretty far ahead of the curve with regards to operational technology. 
So when I was running stores in the 90s, we had really good infrastructure of technology for food costs analysis and labor scheduling and that kind of stuff was pretty advanced. So I didn't really realize it until I was in other places how those tools were already in place. But certainly those have advanced. Now we're talking about, you know, especially at another Rook and Egg, we're talking about um, units to help place orders at the table through iPads instead of writing stuff down and moving over to a central POS stand and entering it. So there's a advanced advances there and the kitchen display units, obviously to help uh, the flow of cooking the products and getting them out, uh, the ability to split orders you know, in the screens and kitchens so that to-go orders go to one part of the kitchen and they could be you know handled better and quicker than, than to another part. Obviously in the marketing side, it's been huge. And I, and I got, uh, when I was running brand strategy for Focus Brands, we did a lot with online ordering and all that stuff. So that that was all you know new then and, and it's continued to advance now. It's it's an essential part of the business. And obviously um, for smaller brands like the one I'm with now, we need to really make sure we're, we're investing in those things right away so that we can keep pace with, with everything else. You touched on COVID. Let's spend a minute more talking about the post-COVID world and the things that were lessons learned during COVID that you think might never change. Things like curbside pickup and things that we never thought of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are these all cornerstones now that you think will continue to exist well beyond? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely so. And I think because uh, it's funny, you know, this this job I'm with now is the first full service restaurant brand I've ever been with. Everything else was QSR, fast casual. So when I first joined the company in November of 2019, I was asking about off-premise. I was asking about to-go and we didn't really do much. We only did about 2% of our sales to-go. It was only through people that, that called you know, over the phone. We didn't have online ordering. We didn't have third-party delivery. And I asked about that because it was such a big part of the previous few brands I had been on. And they're like, no, you know, people don't really want our brand to-go. They really like the full service elements of it. So you know, our brunch products don't really travel that well. There's all these kind of you know, things from maybe them trying it a few years prior. But as you mentioned, that the consumer has shifted so much. You know, more and more people now have experienced what it's like to place an order for, you know, uh, for a third-party delivery. Uh, more and more people have done it, have had food delivered. And I think it's proven to be very sticky for us. We, we were quickly able to get on board. It, you know, is now over 10% of our sales and it's actually growing. Even through this little bit of a recession we've had or the slowdown, we continue to see our off-premise business and third-party delivery grow, which is remarkable. So I do think it's it's a shift that's here to stay, and it's an, an important part of the business. It's been very incremental for us, so it's, it's been a very profitable part of our business as well. We're talking today with Paul Macaluso, president and CEO of Another Broken Egg Cafe. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and take a deeper dive into Paul's role as president and CEO about the brand and its consumer base. And we'll do all of that right after this. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor Forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor Forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. 
In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zor Forum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zor Forum. Learn more at zorforum.com. That's www.zorforum.com. And the conversation continues today with Paul Macaluso, president and CEO at another Broken Egg Cafe. Paul, we want to take a deep dive into the consumer side of the business and the value proposition to the consumer. But I also can't let go of the depth of your marketing experience and not ask just one more question about the difference between loyalty versus acquisition and which side of that equation, if one could be more important than the other, which would it be? Well, wow. so, you know, it's, it's, a, I think it kind of depends on where a brand is and it's, you know, a new store is opening or a brand is in its life cycle. But, you know, the reality is what we've been through in the last few years really proves the fact that loyalty is king. And, and so we, we want to continue to invest in our customer loyalty, continue to get deeper relationships with our, with our customers and grow through that method. We will continue to spend a little bit of time on acquisition, especially when we open in a new market, things like that. But, um, you know, loyalty has really proven well for us. It helped us through the pandemic, even when we were just to go only. You know, we had a very loyal customer base that stayed by our side, and, and we're proving that to be the case through the end of that. So let's talk about the consumer side of the business. And I know what makes me a raving fan of your brand, but I'd love to hear from you. What is it about the brand that really fires up your consumer base and makes them want to eat breakfast here? rather than any number of places. That, I mean, I drive miles. I probably drive by many restaurants that I could be going to when I go to another Broken Egg. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, thank you, Stan, for that. I appreciate it. And, you know, it's again, I feel very fortunate to represent the brand. It's, you know, it's been around uh, since 96. And so, you know, I'm just here now in this phase to help it accelerate growth. But it was really founded on the principles of, of an elevated breakfast. You know, it's an elevated brunch experience and brunch is a fun day part. People are typically in a great mood. We want to capitalize that. We kind of identified our brand purpose as celebrate indulgence. So we, we know celebrate is a big word and people like that for brunch and indulgence is, is not only the elevated culinary, but also our beverage menu. As you mentioned, we have a, a full bar, we have great cocktails. You know, our busiest day of the year is Mother's Day. Our second busiest day of the year is Father's Day. So these are days where people are, are coming together to celebrate their family. And so that's, you know, an indication of the kind of experience that we want people to ensure people have. And if you took a look at the menu mix between food and beverage and the bar business, what kind of percentage do you see in revenue from each side? Yeah, so we're now closing in on 15% of sales with alcohol. And that has been one part of our business that has very much accelerated since the pandemic. Five years ago, it was about 5% of sales. Uh, right into the pandemic, it was about 8 9% of sales. But uh, through the pandemic, we've seen tremendous growth in our alcohol business. We've leaned into it more in terms of innovation and just even the store design. And it's really paying off big time for us. Now we can do about half our stores are able to go to do cocktails to go through third-party delivery where that's, you know, legal. And so we're seeing a tremendous growth in our, in our alcohol business, but right now it's about an 85-15% split. Has the pandemic changed anything about your footprint? We, we thought we'd be able to decrease the footprint a little bit just to help with a little bit of return on investment. 
But what we found, because you know, started doing to go, and now the to go business is about ten percent of sales. So we thought, well, maybe we'll be able to decrease a little bit. But we've actually seen the to go business be incremental. So we still need the same number of seats. You know, we do a ton of business on the weekends, as you can imagine. So we need those seats for table turns and for, to maximize our sales on the weekends. It has changed the design a little bit, but not so much the footprint. So the design, where you know, we're doing things a little differently to make sure we can expedite those to go orders easier, and those customers can come in without having to get caught up in the people that are waiting for tables and waiting for seats. So we've done some changes there, but uh, the overall footprint's about the same. Do you do any non-traditional development of any kind? We have not. We've had some conversations uh, with regard to that, but at this point we have not. You know, we just, we're growing so rapidly in our base business. We just want to really focus on it. So let's talk about my good friend, our good friend, Jeff Sturgis, and his role in development. Who is it that Jeff's out looking for? Who are the best profiles for another Broken Egg franchisees? Yeah, so Jeff and I had the opportunity of working together at McAllister's. And uh, when I came here, we had an opening. I, I reached out to Jeff, and he's he's a pro. And he's he's great at what he does, and we work together very well. And so he's out. And, and I would say right now, the interest in the brand is at an all-time high. We, we typically do, uh, you know, discovery days. We were doing discovery days with prospective franchisees in our office maybe every few months. This year started being every month. Now this month we're actually doing multiple times a month. We're having more franchisees come in. So it's a good problem to have. We're we're spending a lot of time with educating prospective franchisees on our brand and you know letting them understand the services we provide and making sure it's a good fit. And the franchisees we're looking for, you know, the great thing is our brand fits pretty well with other brands that a franchisee might have. We are looking at this point for experienced multi-unit restaurant franchisees. So people that have done this before and have the ability to scale quickly. Earlier in a brand's life cycle, you, you may you may take a chance on some first-time franchisees that have never done it before. And, you know, that's a little bit slower of a learning curve. But at this point, we are a place now where we're attracting people that have done it before. We, we fit well with the burger folks. We fit well with the chicken folks. We, you know, we, we can be a nice compliment. We've had some chicken salad chick franchisees in, some tropical smoothie franchisees in. So we fit well uh, as a complimentary brand to a lot of other brands because of the food we offer and, and the uh, and the quality of life we offer people as well with our hours of operation. I was just thinking about that. It would seem logical to me that a franchisee of a later day part kind of a concept could really leverage even the same team. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe cross-train people for opportunities to work both brands if they had a later day part and they kind of bolted onto something here. It looked to me like a better labor position too. You can offer more hours to people that want to work, which again, I think in today's world has got to be a huge challenge. How has that impacted you, the latest surge of people deciding to quit work and stay home? Yeah, we we definitely felt it. Uh, I would say we probably felt it less than other places, I think, because of the quality of life. You know, seeing that we have been able to afford people, we, we're open seven to two every day. So 49 hours a week are hours of operation. So if you're a, a young person that has a young family, you're maybe you've been a, a manager, a kitchen manager, or a general manager of a full service restaurant at night for many years. Now you can come to a brand like ours and you know that every day you're going to be home with your family for dinner. You're going to have to work weekends and that's not going to change, but you, you, you'll still know that you're going to be home every evening. And so that's very attractive. And it also works well, as you mentioned, for employees that are more hourly, like if they're a server or a bartender at a restaurant at night, well, they know they're never going to have a conflict if they have a second job with us because we're, you know our hours are going to be complimentary to them. So there's a lot of benefits. So because of that, we didn't experience as bad of challenges. We did we did see some for sure. We are kind of working through that right now. 
making a lot of investments with our people to, to keep them happy and retained. But, uh, but I think our quality of life has been a real help for us. And what about the other two major problems that anyone and everyone in food has been struggling with on supply chain and cost of goods? How have those issues impacted you? It, you know, it has, it has been a challenge. We've, we're fortunate enough that we don't have a ton of proprietary SKUs. So We've been able to be uh, flexible and fluid with uh, some substitute products when we've needed to. And then fortunately, timing-wise, we actually earlier this year rolled out a, a, food, a food cost module for uh, actual versus theoretical food costs. As I mentioned, when I was at Taco Bell, you know, 30 years ago, they had this, but we this brand didn't have it as a young brand. So, so we actually rolled that out um, earlier this year. We've actually been able to reduce our food cost because we've actually been able to implement these tools. So even though our costs to the back door have been increasing, our actual costs on the on the PL have been decreasing because of just better tools to manage it. So Paul, the audience doesn't know it, but we just took a brief pause because I'm recording from home today and a truck just went down my street, which means my dog must alert you, me, and the audience <laughs> to the fact that we've got company. Tell me about dogs. You're canine friendly, aren't you? That's right. Uh, you know, we patios are a big part of our brand, obviously a brunch and, and even post-pandemic, it's even a bigger part of, you know, what people feel comfortable with. And so, yeah, where we're allowed to in terms of the municipalities, we are have a dog dog friendly patios. We have a, we have a day every year that we celebrate that and give out little bandanas for our canine friends and uh, our customers love it. How many units are we now, Paul? Open and sold. We are at 82 units open. We uh, are now in 15 states and we have another uh, 60 in the pipeline. Uh, we have 20 under construction between uh, franchisees and corporate today, whether, you know, some form of signed lease that we're working towards construction. So we're going to get to 100 open units here in the first quarter of next year, which will be a huge milestone for the brand. Is there a benevolent side of your business? Do you have a corporate charity or how does that look? You know, we actually do. We, we've been doing some stuff ad hoc. We do a lot in new markets. When we open stores, we'll do a friends and family event and leave that up to the individual franchisee, you know, in that market to select. But we've just recently signed an agreement with Samaritan's Purse. And so mm -hmm. we do hurricane with a lot of our restaurants in the Southeast, which, you know, can be affected by hurricanes. And so we have uh, that agreement uh, with them. And if their God forbid is a hurricane that affects people, we'll be able to step up and, and, and provide uh, some assistance to them through Samaritan's Purse. I know this is a tough question. It's become a tougher question since recession and pandemic and the economy has done what it's done. But can you look in a crystal ball and see three years out any longer? And if so, what are you looking at? We see the brand is, as I mentioned, getting a lot of momentum, even in, even in light of the downturn, you know, with, with new franchisees coming to the brand, they see it as an opportunity to get in with the brand that's growing and still has available territory. So it's an exciting time. And so with that, with what's in the pipeline, from a franchise standpoint, existing new franchisees coming in, you know, we have built a plan. It was a five-year plan I built in 2021. So it takes us out to the end of 2026. And within with that, we see, you know, us getting over 200 units. So we, I think it'll take the brand 26 years to get to hundred. And we think another four years beyond that to get the next hundred, just based on, you know, the infrastructure we built with the team, the support we now offer and all of the interest in the brand. So it's exciting. You know, we continue to see top line growth. We didn't expect to see this much growth because we didn't really plan when I first came in and worked on the on the projections. We didn't plan on this off-premise business coming in and being so incremental. So we had a huge increase in our in our sales uh, because of that. So we've had to re kind of re forecast everything to your point. It's been really challenging to to build a, a plan and and kind of you know think that that's realistic. But we've actually exceeded our original projections, which is which is pretty awesome. That's amazing. We're almost out of time. 
Paul, is there anything at this juncture that I haven't asked you that you're sitting there just waiting for me to ask? No, I, you know what? We, we covered everything uh, that we talked about uh, previously. So I appreciate appreciate that. I think, you know, as I mentioned, it's it's a really exciting time to be part of this brand and bring in franchisees. And we're, we're very fortunate to have a great group of, of franchisees to work with. And we look forward to the continued growth over the next, you know, several years. Well, let's help people find you so that they can learn more. How about some contact info? Yeah, so another broken egg, uh, anotherbrokenegg.com, our website. If you're interested in uh, learning about the locations or the menu, everything's right there. And then obviously if you're interested in franchising, there's a franchising tab you can, you know, submit uh, an inquiry to and we'll get back to you right away. So anotherbrokenegg.com is our best way to reach us. Paul Macaluso, president and CEO of Another Broken Egg Cafe. Can't thank you enough, Paul, for stopping by today. Awesome, Stan. Thank you. Great speaking with you. Well, that's a wrap for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, I return to do it all again, when I'll be joined by Wetzel's Pretzels CEO, Jane Schuler to talk about the magic of that brand and her background and career. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out.